Hi, my loves. Welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time here. My name is Bobby Jo, and today we will be doing a little Q&A on conscious relationship questions that you guys have sent in. And I find it like easier to answer in the format of podcast episode because like these tiny little boxes that we get to express ourselves in word format relationships are so expansive expansive and vast I was trying to say both those words at the same time (laughs) and there's so much depth actually to exploring some of these questions and Particularly when I receive a question like, how do I heal a whole attachment style? Obviously the scope of like answering one question, it's a whole journey. It's a process, but I can definitely give some pointers. So without further ado, I will begin with the questions. And ironically, the first one I have on my list is actually, how do I heal anxious attachment? So as I've said, healing a whole attachment style is a process. And so the first thing I recommend is taking the pressure of yourself to figure that all out in one go. You're not going to figure out all of the patterns that you have and all of the ways that you are perceiving things through um, the lens of your past traumas and, and change all of those behaviors consistently within like a super super short amount of time it is going to be an unlearning and a relearning and that's okay and the underlying um, framework of what anxious attachment is so when you're securely attached which is when you have a really harmonious relationship with being in relationships that's the attachment style that has the most comfort and ease in relationships so secure attachment is when you have a positive view of yourself and you have a positive view of other people so anxious attachment is when you have a negative view of yourself and a positive view of other people so that can manifest like low self-esteem and putting our partner on a pedestal and tending to blame ourselves when something goes wrong rather than recognizing that we we actually did our best And we can end up taking on responsibility for things that aren't our responsibility, like trying to save the other person from their feelings, trying to always keep them happy and do what will please them at our own expense. So when it comes to healing our attachment style, it's about checking in with those two frameworks. And this counts for any of the insecure attachment styles. So whether you're anxious, fearful, avoidant or dismissive avoidant, what we want to be aiming for is having a positive view of yourself and a positive view of other people. And that doesn't mean an unrealistically positive view. You can still recognize when someone is behaving in a way that's uh, not ideal. It's unconscious and you want to speak out against it. You want to, against it, that sounds <laughs> really dramatic. You want to, you want to express yourself. You want to be like, hey, that doesn't really work for me. I'm going to have to set a boundary or make a request that you change up something in the relationship that's what I mean (laughs) there doesn't need to be any dramatic speaking up against it um anyway so you want to check in with that framework and find a space within yourself where you're healing so that you have the secure model of positive relationship with self positive relationship about others which me towards others which means that you aren't needing to like close off and defend yourself you're not like protecting yourself from an attack because you feel really vulnerable which actually reflects in uh, a negative perception of self and you also are not feeling this deep fear of abandonment where um, you put people on a pedestal and you have to see them in a positive light so that you can make yourself wrong because you think okay then it's then if I change something about myself maybe they'll love me so what we're doing is basically finding a way to get to that point where it's positive and positive in our relationship so what has to change in order for that shift to happen from where you're at when you're anxiously attached 
So we've got to take that other person off the pedestal. We've got to stop thinking that that person, our partner or our family member or our best friend or whoever it is, we've got to stop thinking that how they respond and how they feel is more important than how we feel. We've got to stop putting them first before ourselves and start treating our needs and feelings as equal. And this can be like super, super, well, it will be if you're anxious attached, super uncomfortable at first because we face off with these feelings of like, oh, I feel really guilty. Am I being a bad person? Am I being selfish? If that other person, um, if we do something that that other person doesn't like and they get mad at us or upset, we might feel this temptation to backtrack and be like, oh no, no, I'm so sorry. Like, let's let's go back to the way you want it. But learning anxious, learning um, how to heal anxious attachment is, it's a deep undoing of the low self-worth that has told us that we matter less than the other person. And when we realize that we matter equally, that everyone matters, from that place, we start to be able to heal the fear of abandonment. And where we've been focusing on that other person, we've been really, really attentive to their body language, trying to manage the way we respond. We're probably walking on eggshells, saying things in like a super sensitive way so that the other person is pleased. We're trying to gain approval from outside of ourselves. And that's the core of what's got to change is we've got to find that approval inside and reconnect to ourselves. And it can be really, really helpful. So the first step in that process is creating a coherent narrative, which means looking at what happened to us in childhood or any other experiences in the past since childhood, like any really unhealthy, toxic or abusive relationships. It could be a friendship, could be any a job situation, any situation where we were expected to betray our needs to please someone else or where our needs weren't noticed. Basically anywhere where we went towards someone else for support and comfort and it wasn't consistent. So sometimes we went towards our parent and we're like, mommy, can you give me a hug? And they gave us a hug and it was wonderful and we felt really safe. And then other times like, mommy, can you give me a hug? No, go away. Stop bothering me. Stop crying. Whatever it was that um, was a response that uh, felt very unsafe when we were a child. Anywhere where our needs were rejected and dismissed, we get to rewrite the relationship inside of ourselves because we internalize the perspectives that our parents, our caregivers, the people around us have. So if they told us that we should be ashamed of our needs and feelings, we absorb that as children. And we get to rewrite that relationship and become a parent to ourselves. We get to be that loving figure that maybe we never had or that was inconsistent with us. And we get to be like, hey, it's okay. It's okay that I feel this way. My needs are valid. My feelings are valid. And there's nothing wrong with you. And it's okay. And if you need to cry, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with myself as I cry. I'm going to hold myself with compassion. And I know that I'm worthy of love. Even if other people have their own stuff, that means they don't really know how to connect with me and see me and appreciate me. That's their stuff. And I'm going to stop taking that to be personal about me. And we get to move through the grief of the ways that other people went there for us and validate that grief. We, we get to stop taking it personally when other people project their own trauma onto us. And realize that we don't need to fix and save everyone. We can hold space for people and we can support people. But there's a point at which that's harming ourselves. And we get to stop abandoning ourselves and reconnect with like, what do I need? What feels really good? For example, in order for me to feel good in a relationship, 
in order for that it to be better for me to be in a relationship than to not be in one, I need someone who can have really deep emotional dialogues with me because I'm really, I really feel connected to the world of emotions and I, it's important for me to have someone who understands and respects the value of emotions and that I can talk to you about that kind of thing. Like that's something that I personally realized that I could never have a fulfilling relationship with someone who doesn't see the value of checking in with your emotions and doesn't explore the emotional world and, and kind of notice the emotional worlds of other people. And so I realized in my journey, so I was fearful avoidant, um, but I was leaning a bit anxious. And I, so I realized in that journey that a dismissive avoidant would never be a compatible partner for me. I was like, I can work with someone who's got a few anxious tendencies. I can work with someone who's got a mix of both fearful avoidance because they, um, they value the connection, they value intimacy, but then they could get overwhelmed when, when they reach their threshold, um, and I could obviously work with someone who's secure, but I figured out that that was a core non-negotiable, I will never date someone who is in a dismissive avoidant pattern. That just doesn't work for me personally. So part of the anxious attachment healing, moving towards secure, is being really, really honest with yourself with what do what is non-negotiable. And we need to start setting boundaries and speaking up for what are those things that I absolutely require in order to care for my health? And that could also be, it could be the flip side because it could be like that we also need space, which is kind of funny as a, an anxiously attached person, but we might realize that actually we need some me time because we've been spending so much time like giving to our partner and trying to be the most amazing boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, whatever label you prefer to uh, ascribe to your partnership. And then we're like, wait, actually, I, I need some time for me. I need to get to know myself and um, reconnect. So basically, we get to honour our, our feelings and needs and, and spend time with ourselves. Spending time alone is actually really, really valuable as a anxiously attached person doesn't have to be like huge stretches of time but making time for yourself where you're not caring for anyone else so you can actually get to know who you are because our identities can get so wrapped up in the partnership that we're in that we lose connection with actually what's important to us so we get to know ourselves we get to know our needs and feelings we get to know how to communicate them in an effective way so what can happen as an anxiously attached person is we're so connected to how other people feel we're so good at noticing those little body language signs that someone is upset or angry and we can sometimes expect other people to mind read and to give us the same level of reciprocation in terms of like we expect other people to notice when we're not fine but we're not saying it and that can really build up into resentment and frustration and feelings of rejection. And then what can happen is either we become very, very tearful and upset at the other person, or we become really angry and indignant. And we're like, you never, you never notice how I'm feeling. You never do this. You never give me affection or whatever it is. And we get to learn how to first notice when we're starting to feel those feelings, when we're starting to feel sad, when we're starting to feel rejected, when we're starting to feel resentment because we've given and, and not received in return. So we're practicing tuning into our bodies and noticing those emotions coming up and we get to express them sooner rather than later so that instead of it being this big huge thing that blows up we get to learn how to communicate in a way that isn't blaming the other person which can be so tough because you can feel so wound wounded and vulnerable and like the other person is doing that on purpose and unless you're with a narcissistic personality type individual they probably aren't doing it on purpose and yelling and getting angry at a narcissistic individual will not help in any case and of course if, the, if you're in that situation you want to 
get out, go no contact or as little contact as you can with that person if you're in a situation where you can't completely escape them. But let's say we're, we're not working with someone um, who is incapable or just completely disconnected from empathy. They're probably not doing it deliberately. And even if they were, it won't help to go on the attack. Because when we go on the, the attack, the equal and opposite force of attack is defense. The other person's probably going to get defensive if we get mad at them, unless they're very securely attached and grounded in that moment. In which case, we probably wouldn't have these kind of conflicts so often. Um, we probably would actually start to feel safe and comfortable and they would actually encourage us to share our feelings and uh, probably check in with us as well. So if we can learn to communicate differently, it becomes a lot easier. So what we would do is be like, hey, so I have some stuff that I would like to um, bring up in, in our relationship. And I just want to let you know, like, I'm not blaming you. There's just some things that I'd really like to understand better um, and share or share how I'm feeling about so that we can make this relationship even better. And I want to share honestly how I'm feeling and see if there's a solution that we can come to that works for both of us. And I don't want to pressure or control you in any way. I just want to be honest about where I'm at. And then you might be like, I've been noticing that you've been a bit distant lately. And I don't want to assume why that is. But I do find myself having this worry that maybe it's about me. Maybe I, I did something to upset you. Or it's it means something about where we're at in the relationship. And I just want to check in. Um, how You know how you're feeling and if there's anything that you want to share with me and when you like invite someone in in a way that's blameless or you share like I'm noticing we haven't been spending as much time together recently and I know that you've been really busy with work and um I don't want to make life more difficult for you that's the thing if you have an avoidant partner saying that phrase I don't want to make life more difficult for you or I want to make life easier for you that is like gold for their love language that is absolute gold because avoidant partners tend to have had to take on caring for all of their emotions and then when someone else is like care for my emotion too it can feel so overwhelming and stressful and heavy so if you just approach someone then no you're not blaming them you're not pressuring them you don't want to control them you just want to share honestly how you're feeling see if you can figure something out it can be really tough to do that when you're feeling so emotional and activated I really get that I so feel that and it's a practice and you probably will slip up and that's okay like one of the number one things is be compassionate with yourself during that process but you bring that to the table and and when you share it in that gentle way then that other person is more likely to be like yeah I hear you that that makes sense I totally get why you would worry about how I've been acting a bit differently um, and then they're more likely to either feel safe to tell you what's been bothering them in your relationship in a way that's like calm and resolvable like you know what there's this little thing I want to bring up um, but they'll express it in a way where you feel like you could work past it or they'll be like you know that was nothing to do with you like I was just like having all this other stress go on and I didn't want to burden you with it but actually this is what's been going on in my head but it's nothing to do with our relationship don't worry and offer you that reassurance and then of course one of the biggest parts of um where we confront our anxious pattern is if that other person was like we brought ourselves to the table in the most conscious and gentle way and we communicated our feelings also if you have if you're in the state where you're like quite tearful and upset um it can be really helpful to just let the person know that like you know all i really need from you is just to listen or maybe give me a hug i'm sure i will feel um you know i'll feel less emotional soon once i've expressed this and once we've resolved it um, it can just help if you have a more avoidant partner to just give them a really simple roadmap of how they can hold space for you because often it can be 
a little bit challenging for them to hold those big emotions because they've been disconnecting from their own sadness. Um, but of course, it is also not your responsibility to teach an avoidant person all of the ins and outs of how to have a healthy relationship. And if that person's also not willing to work with you and to do their own learning and growing, that's probably not your relationship. That's not your person. So that, yeah, to move back onto what I was going to say is one of the most painful and difficult parts of uh, confronting attachment is when actually, no matter what we do, our partner is still playing out it. Usually it will be that they're avoidant, but regardless of what attachment style box you want to fit them in, they're not able to respond consciously to us, no matter what we do. And that really gets us to face off with our fear of abandonment and we get to really seek support outside of that relationship. And we're having any kind of relationship challenges. It's so healthy to seek support from a coach or a therapist um, and also have really solid friendships that are healthy and emotionally available so that other people can hold space for you and support you as you shift from oh no, our relationship's falling apart, it's because there's something wrong with me, I must be unworthy of love, and and beating ourselves up to like, maybe I'm just not meant for this person, and it's gonna hurt, sure, it's gonna really hurt, and I'm probably gonna have to cry, and eat ice cream, and grieve, but I'm gonna be okay. Ultimately, healing anxious attachment is coming to a place where we go, I'm going to be okay, even if other people treat me in a way that is not kind. I, I know I have the strength within to walk away, to say no, to find new people that do treat me well, to trust that they are out there. And as I stop giving my power away, it will be easier for me to notice and connect to people that do respect me and do treat me well. It's like, I'll be okay, even if I lose some people. And I can tell you, as someone who has had so many friendships and relationships fall apart, and uh, if you are into human design, I am a 3-5, which means that one of my like life lessons is making and breaking relationships and figuring out what kind of relationship works for me. So I have lost so many relationships in like kind of crazy ways that like I, it wasn't that I did something that would screw up the relationship, but for whatever reason, the universe, God, life sent us in different paths and it no longer worked. And so I really, really know the pain of abandonment and I would cry. I had people I would cry about for weeks or months and I've now got myself to a place where I'm like, I might have to have a cry for like a day or something. Maybe not even that because I'm I'm so used to just surrounding them. Okay, they just weren't a match. They just weren't on the same wavelength as me. And that's okay. And I know that there will be a blessing coming in, whether that's a new friendship, a new relationship, or just time by myself to get to know myself more deeply. And so we shift up that relationship and we just connect with the goodness inside of ourselves. And we can still appreciate the goodness inside of other people, but we realise that same goodness is inside of ourselves as well. There are so many things that I could cover when it comes to uh, to healing anxious attachment style, but um, I'll just drop in one more, which is kind of connected to that, but it's like choosing secure company. And this can come first as well. It can be one of the first steps is we notice who is emotionally unavailable in our life and that that's giving us like a skewed Um, perspective on what's normal in a relationship or what's healthy and we can start learning what the traits are of secure attachment and find connections where we can have secure attachment and that's where like a coach or a therapist is really useful to begin with because you will probably have a secure attachment with them because they have some distance from your life and you can start learning what a secure bond is like through them and 
then you can um, check in with other connections. So if you have a family member that is maybe very um, enmeshed with you, very codependent, you might need to like distance yourself from that person in order to go through your healing process. And maybe there'll be a point at which you can reconnect and see where they're at, but you, you might need to set some boundaries with family members. That could be really tough as well. And also choosing the right kind of friends because our friends can actually have a massive impact on our attachment style. Like if most of your friends are also um, avoidantly attached or even if your friends uh, are anxiously attached in a way where they have an unhealthy relationship with you because two anxiously attached friends can often form quite a secure bond together. But if they're playing out some kind of unhealthy pattern um, where they're expecting you to betray your boundaries or whatever, you might need to create some space from anyone who is not supportive of you having really stable and peaceful kind of relationships and caring for yourself. Surround yourself with people who support you and cheer you on and want you to do what's best for you and are okay with you saying no and being like, you know, say if someone said to me, like, I can't hold space for you right now. I'd be like, okay, I, I hear that. You know, obviously, I would have loved for you to be able to hold space for me, but I totally understand. That's the kind of energy that you want to surround yourself with. And it will make healing the romantic aspect of the attachment style a lot easier when your platonic support system is really solid. So I hope that those tips were helpful. It is like such a huge topic and there are so many things that I could go into, but I think that should give... Um, a pretty solid framework for some of the things that you can begin to explore and then the flip side of this question is how do I support someone who has anxious attachment so again huge 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 topic looking at the core needs of a, a person with anxious attachment there's a fear of abandonment so if you can reassure that person that you love them, that you care for them, that you're not going anywhere, that if there's any problems that come up, we've got this as a team, I've got your back, reassure them that it's okay to not be perfect, that you don't need them to overgive, they can relax in your presence, they don't need to worry about um, saying exactly the right thing, they can express themselves honestly you want to hear how they truly feel you're not going to be offended by them being honest it's letting them know that you want them to just be themselves and not have to do things to earn your love like your love is there because you appreciate them for the essence of who they are and just let them know that it's safe to come to you and also offer them reassurance in general, give them context for the times when you might not be able to meet their needs. Because there are going to be moments when maybe if you have an anxious partner, they turn to you and for whatever reason, you know, you're busy doing something else, you um, don't have the emotional capacity, you're physically exhausted. There's some reason or you just miss them asking for support. You didn't quite hear what they were saying you like missed that little body language cue or the way they said it you didn't realize how important it was to them so if you can just be like if I ever slip up and and um I'm misunderstanding you um please express that need to me again and if there's times when I can't be there for you please know it doesn't mean I care for you any less and I'll still be thinking about you and wanting the best for you and I still really value you and I know that you might find it difficult when I'm you know away this week or whatever I'm I'm not going to forget about you or love you any less just because I'm on on a business trip for a week or whatever our connection is so amazing and I'm so glad that I have you in my life you're such an incredible person like the more that you can affirm that that person is important and valued and give them that framework that like Yes, there are going to be moments of disconnect. You're not always going to feel like super deep bonding with your partner. But just let them know that like the moments where you're taking space, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. 
and that you'll be back and being really clear as well about what you can offer like don't make promises that you can't keep be really honest about that don't have to be harsh but um just be really um realistic about um what you can and can't offer because that inconsistency and thinking that we're going to receive some kind of love or support and then that person doesn't that can be really re-traumatizing to an anxious attachment style and really reinforce that love can be taken away at any time and that tends to be how it feels like it's just like I don't know when people are going to abandon me I don't know when they're going to leave me it could happen any second it's like you're constantly on the lookout for signs that someone is going to leave you or that they don't love you anymore um so the more that you can be consistent and honest the more they realize like actually this is a person who means what they say and who I can trust and if they say they're going to be there for me they are there for me or they're honest with me that like hey I can't be there for you at the moment but I love you and just letting them know that it's safe for them to set boundaries it's safe for them to let you that for them to let you know when something has upset them that you've done and that you're going to be here to have a mature and blameless conversation about that that you're in it together as a team and um, physical affection can be really great as well obviously checking for consent and understanding what that person likes and doesn't like but just simple things like holding hands or giving that person a hug can be really really reassuring especially as anxious partners tend to have a history of dating avoidant partners who are very touch averse and very distant so being physically affectionate in a way that works for that person because obviously they could have their own trauma around physical touch um, can be really really helpful and comforting and um, finding out what that person's love language is um, because if they're a words of affirmation person they might like being left like little cute cards being like I love you if they're an acts of service person they might really feel loved when you do all the chores so that they don't have to uh, take care of that it takes the stress off their back so really just check in with what what feels good for them and let them know that you're not going anywhere how to be kind to yourself whilst working on secure attachment that's a really great question And it applies to all of the styles, all of the insecure styles. I think the most fundamental thing with that is realizing that your worth is not tied up to how healed and averted commas you are. There's no hierarchy where you're like more worthy of love because you've stopped playing out a pattern that didn't help you. You're no more worthy of love if you're enlightened or you're completely unconscious. And that is like the... um. The thing with insecure attachment is believing that if you change yourself in some way, you might be more worthy of love and that you're not good enough as you are. So if you can shift that mindset and realize that we're, we're just born worthy of love, everyone is worthy of love, everyone is sacred and precious, and realizing that if you did do anything that was like destructive towards yourself or hurt other people, you were just trying to cope you didn't have any better tools to know how to cope in that moment. Your nervous system was incredibly overwhelmed or shut down. It was in fight, flight, freeze or fawn. And so you were just doing your best as we all are. Also realizing it's an enormously brave thing to look deeply within yourself and change up the way that you're seeing yourself and your relationships, that's incredibly courageous. And you kind of give yourself a pat on the back for that. But just know that this whole journey is not about becoming more. It's not about becoming worthy, because you already are. You're just like remembering, oh wait, I've always been worthy. I don't actually need to like take on other people's shaming and blaming and judgment. I don't need to give myself a hard time if a relationship doesn't work out. I don't need to beat myself up if I'm not perfect. And I say something unconscious, you know, I lose my temper with someone. It's like, all right, okay, I'm going to just hear I'm really hurting right now. I'm going to sit with that. And hear what my wounded inner child is telling me. 
and then like work through that. Just realize that you already are enough. Healing our attachment style is just to help us stop suffering, to help us to experience more joy and more peace. It's so that we can stop giving ourselves a hard time. And it does also have the bonus that it, you know, it improves our relationships externally. And uh, if we did anything that uh, was difficult for other people to be around, then we're, we're removing that experience. But like, let go of that shame because all of us hurt other people. It's absolutely impossible. Even if you act in complete integrity, you're still going to end up hurting someone in some way. And you can have that grace and be humbled by that. Like, it's just impossible to not hurt anyone's feelings in this lifetime. Yeah, the essence of that is you're already worthy. And you deserve to be kind to yourself. Just remind yourself of that. Any time that you start giving yourself a rough time, beating yourself up. I know that you wouldn't say that to someone else. Like, who was on their healing journey. You wouldn't give them the hard time about it. You could see into their heart and know they were having a, a rough time with the way they were speaking to themselves. But you're just worthy because you exist. And that's enough. So the next question I... I've seen like multiple versions of this. I brought up a problem that I had to my partner. And his response was, that's just the way I am. What do I do? So this one is like super common if your partner leans avoidant. And it can be really helpful to understand what that actually means. So really, that's just the way I am means that person isn't willing to, it could be, well, it could be that that's just the way they are and that that part of them isn't a trauma response, but often it is a trauma response. And let's work with the whole, it's probably a trauma response thing first. So it normally means they're not ready to take responsibility for like looking deeply within and healing that part of themselves and accepting influence and being open to changing the way they show up. It can really depend on like how much you've explored the situation with them because there are sometimes times when the way that we've expressed ourselves to them came across as an attack and if we adjust our language and find more conscious ways of communicating they might feel safe enough to um, admit that they feel really vulnerable and um, flawed and that they feel like exposed and embarrassed that they haven't mastered some kind of relationship skill and really embarrassed that maybe they've let you down and if you can help them feel safe you may be able to get into a place where they feel more open to working on it with you because they don't feel that you're judging they don't feel judged they don't think that you're judging them anymore However, it might be that you've really approached it from different angles, different ways of saying things, and they're just telling you that, like, this is something I'm not willing to change. And in that case, like, regardless of whether that's because it's a trauma response or that is actually their natural self, that is actually their highest expression of who they are, and it works for them. In either case, you just get to ask yourself, like, can I find a way to actually accept that person being that way? Or am I secretly sitting around hoping for them to change in order to feel good about our relationship? Because if I am in love with that potential and I can't accept them where they're at and it's not healthy for me to be with them if they keep doing that, that's a sign that the relationship needs to change or end. And if we stick around and we can't truly, you know, secretly we do feel resentful that that person wasn't willing to be adaptable. 
we're just abandoning ourselves and we're enabling them because that's not expressing like the true consequences of that action when we're in integrity be to walk away from that situation or you know downgrade the relationship to um a level that it's okay and if they got to see the true reflection of how we felt about it and we're like that just really doesn't work for me say that you break up with that person and they go on to continue playing out that pattern and then like three relationships in a row the same the same thing is said is that same thing that they're doing all of the partners go that's why that this relationship's not working for me that actually gives them a chance to wait go hang on actually i think it might it might be a problem it might be a thing that i want to look at and work through because all of these different people have all reflected the same thing back to me whereas if you just like put up and shut up that person never gets that mirror reflection to explore that and you're also mirroring back that you don't value yourself so there are sometimes situations where we can accept that part of them and according to the Gottman Institute like two-thirds of problems are called perpetual problems which means they're never going to go away because they're part of that person's basic temperament or they're a situation that just isn't going to change. They're not something that is subject, like a situation that's not perpetual is like if your partner has um, a certain job and it's affecting their work hours, but um, that job is not going to be the same after like a month, you're not going to be in the same situation. But if something is a perpetual problem where it's your basic temperament and preferences, if two-thirds of relationship problems are that, there are going to be probably some things that you're called to make peace with, that your partner's not going to perfectly meet all of your needs and um, be like this fairy tale. But you get to be really deeply honest of whether where that falls. Is that going to be something that you actually can make your peace with and find other ways to meet the needs that are connected to that? Or is that something where respecting yourself and loving yourself is walking away? Can an anxious and dismissive avoidant relationship work? This is again like a super common one that I get. Yes, it can if both partners are putting in the work. And I stress that, like both partners, because often the anxious partner can be more willing because they're more motivated to resolve relationships um, and they can end up taking on more than half the work and feel really resentful and stressed out. Um, the anxious partner will learn if they go to like couples counseling or study attachment material or whatever method you use they will learn the ways that they are perhaps um, making things uh, to be Hmm, I'm trying to think how to phrase this it's not making things more difficult because from a level of consciousness it we can take responsibility and respond. But um, they're showing behaviours that are likely to be triggering and difficult for the avoidant partner. So there's definitely a level of responsibility to be taken on the anxious person's part, but it, it tends to be the avoidant partner that is more reluctant to do the work because of the nature of avoidant attachment style is not putting as much value in close relationships. And tending to not see there as being a problem even when the anxious person is letting them know that it really deeply hurts them so if you're in that situation um, there is a level of patience required because dismissive avoidance are going to have to take it in in baby steps often and if we can express gratitude for the work that they are doing and really appreciate the ways that they're expressing more affection and being more open and it's not going to look like the way that we're open and the way that um the kind of way that we show up in relationships they're probably never going to be quite you know the same in that respect we've got to stop looking for ourselves in our partner 
and love them for who they are. It's it's really a case of like, again, weighing up what's changing. Are we waiting around for that person to change? If we are seeing steps of progress, genuine steps of progress, that's amazing. And that person will probably express like, you know what, this is tough, but I am working on it. And you probably have some lapses, some challenging moments. It can work, but it really, really needs to be both parties. And ironically, the more that you move towards secure, the more you're likely to be a match for someone who has done quite a lot of conscious relationship work and it just simply won't make sense. The attraction, the polarity won't be there with someone who is um, not willing to like work through their trauma. Which doesn't mean that we're going to date someone who's like perfect, not at all. But we will lose the great thing actually about if you're, if you, you could even be the avoidant partner that's willing to work on stuff and your anxious partner is, is dragging their heels and doesn't think that they're part of the problem. The more that you work on yourself, the more you will just not in a harsh way, but you will lose attraction for the drama and the turmoil and the push and pull of relationships. So you will just kind of peacefully and collectedly, it might be painful, but there'll be an inner peace to it. Just be like, I don't think we're aligned. And you'll probably naturally find yourself aligned to someone who who is more ready to take accountability in their relationships. So yeah, the answer ultimately is always do the healing. Um, it can work, but it might also be your best in your best interest to let go. There's times when um, it's absolutely not in our best interest to date someone who's not secure or close to secure or really actively moving towards secure. And there's definitely been times in my healing journey when I've had to keep a lot of distance from um, people who were the opposite of whatever part of my pattern I was healing like I had times when I was really deeply healing shame for having basic human needs and I had um, a close avoidant friend and I had to just let him know like when I'm around you I actually feel more shame for having basic human needs that I do know deep down are valid but I, I think actually you're still holding on to shame about that and then I pick up that in your in your energy field and I start absorbing it and so I had to just allow myself to be honest about that and completely step away from that friendship and that's totally valid too. How to heal feeling clingy to a partner so obviously that fits into the anxious avoidant space um specifically with feeling clingy to a partner it's like checking in like what need is that partner meeting that I don't feel I can meet for myself because um it, it could be that there's like a physical sense of unsafety um where we feel like we need them to protect us there could be situations you know where we had a a trauma that made us feel very physically unsafe like if we were attacked or um, assaulted or abused or anything like that um, but often it's a case of they're giving us some kind of feeling of fulfillment and um, we derive our self-esteem from that person and when they're happy with us we feel happy with us and so we get to check in like why why do we feel that we need this person we're going to want them if, if we love and connect with them of course we're going to want them but when you want someone but you don't need them, there's this flexibility of like, I'm going to be okay if they if they go away or if they take some space. And be really, really compassionate with yourself because if you're anxiously attached, those feelings of wanting to connect can be so strong and there's nothing wrong with them. They're not the most helpful for our well-being and I'm sure that you would want to experience that healthy middle. Um, that's why that question is being asked but you're not a bad person for feeling that and 
our culture can sort of praise avoidantly attached people. Uh, and so that can be this sort of like subtle shaming of people who are more anxiously attached. And anxiously attached individuals have some really beautiful gifts. They can be so kind and considerate and they can really notice things that are going on with other people, not only in relationships, but also like in work environments. They can really suggest like really thoughtful changes to a project or a, a way of managing things that make huge differences to other people. They're a blessing. And this is like this flip side that we want to clear the shadow aspect, but there's also a really beautiful blessing that comes from the gifts that we develop if we're anxiously attached. So it can be really helpful just to validate and remember that. And if you're feeling that sense of clinging, it can also be really helpful to learn how to own that in an empowered way. Just like letting that person know without having to sort of beg for that love or express it in a way where you're like this little child, like, ah, save me. Um, you can learn to be like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this sense of really feeling afraid of being abandoned and wanting to be closer to you and just recognising that part within myself that I think is, is really afraid of losing you. And when you can express that that's coming up for you in that way, often it's easier for that person to offer us reassurance in a way that we go away with this like warm fuzzy feeling in our chest and then we don't really need to like cling in the physical world in the same way. And that concludes the end of the questions. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. I also have a story highlight on my Instagram for each of the insecure attachment styles so you can browse all of my posts. My handle is at Bobby Joe Danley and I'm wishing you such a wonderful day.